What'd you do? This program contains mature subject matter. Including maladjusted youth, masochistic hillbillies, and the excitement of the price is right. It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers. Viewer discretion advised. <laughs> I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. <laughs> I'm giving you a choice. Either put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. that you're reading? Karl Marx? Surely you're not a communist. Do I have to be a communist to read Karl Marx? Rupert, that's a valid answer. Well, if you're not a communist, what are you? Nothing. Nothing? I dislike all forms of government. But somebody must rule. And I don't like the word rule. Well, if we don't like the word rule, let's call it leadership. Leadership in government is political power, and political power is an official form of antagonizing the people. What magazine did you say he edits? A commentary on current events. <laughs> Pardon me, Lester. But, uh, my dear young man, politics are necessary. Politics are rules imposed upon the people. In this country, rules are not imposed. They are the wish of all free citizens. Travel around a bit, then you'll see how free they are. Yes, but you didn't let me finish. They have every man in a straitjacket. And without a passport, he can't move a toe. But if you'll allow me to finish... In a free world, they violate the natural rights of every citizen. But you don't let me... Will you? They have become the weapons of political despots. Yes, but may and I... And if you don't think as they think, you're deprived of your passport. Will you allow me to... To leave a country is like breaking out of jail. Yes, And but... to enter a country is like going through the eye of a needle. But will... Am I free to travel? Of course you're free to travel. Only with the passport. Will you allow me to say something? Only some... with the passport. Do animals need passports? <laughs> Have you finished? It's in Congress that in this atomic age of speed, we are shut in and shut out by passports. If you'll shut up and let somebody else talk... And free speech, does that exist? No, you've got it all. And free enterprise. We were talking of passports. Today it's all monopoly. All right. Now will you Can I go me? into the automobile business and compete with the auto trust? If I can get in a word. Not a chance. Can I go into the grocery business and compete with the chain stores? Will you shut up? Not a chance. Monopoly is the menace of free enterprise.
Travel around and find out. It's episode 144 of Behind the Schemes from March 20th, 2023, and violating your rights. This is Booberry, Mothman, and the Miniocalypse. And all the way from the bereft coast where we dislike all forms of government. My name is Lavish. Only with a passport. Only with a passport. Do, does an animal need a passport? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> be quiet. I, I order you to be quiet. <laughs> Some things never change. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm. Some things certainly don't. How are you, sir? How are you doing? It's been a wild and wacky weekend, my guy. It's been fucking weird. Uh, yeah? Starting out um, on Saturday, went and did something pretty nuts. Uh, me and Lightbright went out to the micro center with uh, uh, an unnamed Anon uh, that I definitely want to go ahead and shout out and give him a big thanks for um, uh, taking part in this project. He uh, went and specced out a desktop computer that'll, mm. that's been specced out for uh, sort of doing video making stuff. Indeed. Well, thank you, Anon, for that assistance as well. Yeah, you're upping your computational power. Oh, yeah. And this is the first desktop I've had since... God, like eighth grade. I had an old Mac G3 tower, one of the clear teal plastic cases. Oh, wow. Way back. Oh, someone defaced your old Mac. Yeah, you know, it, could, it, it needed a little bit of a face uh, facelift. Yeah, oh, no doubt about it. Well, that's cool. It's always nice to have a desktop. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a beefy case. I don't know where I'm going to put it at yet. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem with mine, too. I, I just got a second monitor, or another monitor. Oh, and nice. I need to put my case somewhere else, this big, beefy tower. Um. It's got to stick it somewhere else, make room for this uh, monitor. And, uh, Servo, I'll, uh, I got the box downstairs. I'll go uh, get it. I don't have it. The yeah, list saved on uh, this, uh, the, this computer. The green room is asking for specs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. People, the, the people want specs, Booberry. I'll get them. I'll get them. What do I bring oh. but receipts? Damn it. <laughs> what is life but a receipt? Uh, so Lightbright helped facilitate the purchase of it, um, which I, I really appreciate. Uh, she ended up putting it on a credit card, and we're going to pay it off with the, the festival work that I did last year. Been sitting on it. And finally made a move. So here we go. Congratulations. Welcome to the PC Master Race. <laughs> Feels good. Oh, you better <laughs> believe it does. Fucking Clown World Hong Kong forever. There are fucking dozens of us. Dozens of us. <laughs> um and then uh then I've I've learned something new, Lavish. What did you learn something new? Tell us what you've learned. I've learned that karaoke burlesque shows exist. You knew karaoke burlesque shows existed. I'd never been to one before. And that's changed. Uh, Saturday night, we went out to a karaoke burlesque show. You would sign up, you'd go on stage, you would sing your song, and then there would be a burlesque dancer on stage with you dancing. Well, that's luxurious. It was It was pretty fun. It was pretty fun. I think that's where I want to debut the semi-charmed Eminem. 
I think that could be fucking lit. You can do your best Eminem. Yeah, and because uh, they got um, semi charmed kind of life in the song list, and uh, you know you go put that song in as a request, and then you wrap Eminem over top of it. Mm, perfect. <laughs> it would be awesome. <laughs> Quite cultured, my good man. Quite cultured. And then with a burlesque dance to boot, that's lovely. Yeah, pasties are flying everywhere, man. Oh, that's just good fun. That's good, clean fun. I also learned that you should always have a saxophone on hand. Uh, well, that's true. Easier said than done. There was a, there was a burlesque dancer. Uh, I don't remember his name, but uh, he had a saxophone off stage, just ready to go, and he whipped it out in the song. So they don't know what song that people are singing until they're getting ready to go out on stage when they announce it. So they got like 30 seconds to get prepped and do a routine to the song that you're singing. And this burlesque man, dancer, pulled out a saxophone. Yeah. Pulled out a sax, which is a classic go-to move. I wish I could remember what the song was. I'll, uh, I'll have to check with Lightbright and ask her, but it was, it was good. I had a, I had a great time. Uh, I'm going to go. If you come to the Miniocalypse and there's a show, I, I think uh, that's going to be the thing. Start, just start taking you to burlesque shows. I mean, <laughs> sing karaoke. I can think of worse ways to spend my time. So that sounds uh, good to me. I, I've been to a number of burlesque shows, never a karaoke burlesque show. But I find that burlesque shows can be good, and they also can be not good. They can, uh, I, I don't know how to put it, but uh, sometimes the caliber of performer isn't uh, what you're looking for. Mm. It was, uh, I wasn't, you know, I don't think it was necessarily the, the, the best burlesque. Mm, crunchy. Crispy. Ooh, someone got hungry. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, one of Make Heroism's new boost, the 2033 boost. <laughs> yeah, you will eat the bugs. Although I'm not sure why it's showing the, the PlayStation loading screen in the chat. That's interesting. I probably yeah. fucked something up. Um, so yeah, Still good, uh, though. karaoke burlesque. Very much a good time. I enjoyed it. I want to go back um, Sunday. I was working on a project that I'm not at liberty to necessarily divulge uh, what's going on with it, but uh, going into last night, I ended up nuking the website, or at least I thought I nuked it uh, for about, what, nine hours, ten hours? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the middle of the night, <laughs> it was wiped off the face of the earth, or so we thought. Yeah. And uh, you even got to go on to... A late night bowl after bowl and and uh, rap about it with uh, Spencer and Cotton Gin. Oh Boy. shit! Oh fuck! <laughs> yeah, this was also yeah. also me. Fuck! Oh no! Shit! Fuck! I get a phone call last night. <laughs> uh, this is a, you know a little after midnight in my time. I get a call from Booberry. I figure, well, if he's calling me at two in the morning, he probably it's probably important. So I pick it up. And you, you, you apologize. Sorry, sorry for calling you late, but it's worth it. And I go, what's up? And I can already hear you reaching for a bottle of vodka. You're, you're already like <laughs> one so, hand into uh, the cabinet. <laughs> so, uh, 
I nuked the, and then you talk about destroying the site as you're getting everything. And I go, Oh God, is, is there anything I can do? And, and your immediate response was, yes, I need you to sing this limp biscuit song with me. <laughs> <laughs> this is a true story. This is an absolute true story. So, you know, I went to my cabinet and I found a shot and, uh, you know, big F in the chat for the site, but it's back. It is. Uh, I took this morning, um, and sent in a service ticket to DreamHost. Ended up, uh, you, you can sign up to have them call back for a $10 charge, which was, uh, more than worth it. Um, so, you know, after some time they, they called back and within 25 minutes, what I had done was deactivated the hosting for the, the site. And when I reactivated it, it created a new user. So all of the files were still on the server, their servers, just under a different users. And um, it it was really just a matter of pointing the domain back to the original user. And we were good refresh the permalinks and there's a there's one thing on there that i did notice that is not correct and it's the torches oh never mind the torches are good uh yeah i think we're back oh fully well then it's uh it's lit um i did realize something though in the middle of that like if the website was to go down go away it it would knock out all of the chapter art, the transcripts, the people tag uh, pictures, yeah, uh, stuff like that. So it's something to consider, you know. No, it was a good wake up call, and I know that it got the gears turning for sure. What if? Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was just a. I mean, there was nothing. Um. There was nothing hardcore this weekend. It was just a lot of uh, crazy ups and downs. <laughs> well, I think it's very innovative. I don't think that any other show out there nukes their own website. I think that that's very cool. It's very legal. I think that every day and every way we're getting better, and we're we're just trying to push the envelope of what this podcasting thing is. You know, and yep. you can't. Hack our site if we do it already for us. Yeah, man. <laughs> so eat a dick. If we can't have it, no one can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, next week, we got a fun, never tried before, super fun or crazy announcement. Uh, that's when, it, when you find out what this was all over, I think everybody will be uh, pretty excited. So yeah, um, you got a tarot card for tonight. I certainly do. Uh, we start every show uh, with the tarot draw. If you happen to be new to the show, this being episode one forty four behind the schemes, and tonight I drew from the Starman tarot that was gifted to uh, us. We both have a set from Reverend Doctor Love Pfeiffer, <laughs> gifted it to me at a jazz club in Kansas City. Damn straight. And uh, tonight I drew the Empress reversed. Yes, indeed. Now I have a booklet that, of course, came with the deck. So I will find 
uh, the Empress here real quick and see uh, what, uh, what, what it's all about. So upright, the Empress uh, means I fully embrace life's rich fecundity. What'd you call me? You heard me. Did I stutter? <laughs> fecundity. I've never. Okay, hold on. Define fecundity. The ability to produce an abundance of offspring or new growth, fertility. Oh, okay. I, okay. Uh, as the archetypical mother, the empress embodies mother nature and the various seasons of life uh, from birth to death. She understands that to fully embrace life, we must experience its remarkable hues, ready and open to accept the joy, love, and happiness, together with the pain, loss, and sadness. What is born will eventually die, and thus we must enjoy, relax, and open to each day that we have, understanding the cycles of birth, death, and rebirth. She's the embodiment of summer, ripe, bursting with vitality, creativity, abundance, and prosperity. A conduit for powerful, sensual pleasure, beauty, sexuality, fecundity that is heartily celebrated by her, and the milk of life pours from her breasts. And indeed, she has the milk of kindness in her, knowing how to attend to creation, nurturing, full of warmth, love, generosity, and patience. Yep. Uh, it goes on to talk about uh, some uh, esoteric stuff. The ancients lived by the womb cosmology of creation. Ooh. The ancients, a very general term. Um, you also have reversed. So they, they have a little a paragraph here on the reversed empress. The abundance and ease that the upright empress delivered has evaporated as you sink into murky, muddy challenges. The more you resist, the deeper in you get. You must find healthy ways to replenish yourself and connect to your own natural source of creativity and personal development. A needy mother or maternal figure may be depleting your own energy sources, so establishing personal boundaries is vital. This phase, too, shall pass. And um, I got a uh, a book called Mastering the Tarot. It's got a short little blurb here about the reversed. Uh, that was going to tack on infidelity. Poverty may disrupt the home. Psychological problems may cause instability. War and destruction may come. So she's kind of got like uh, that particular sentence gives me uh, like Athena vibes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a general, but also distinctly feminine. Yep. Yeah, couple reverse keywords: insecurity, overbearing, negligence, smothering, lack of growth, lack of progress. And uh, let's see, what was the? Did you pull from labyrinth? Labyrinth, those. Yeah, that's the link I have in the show notes. You yeah. can see a picture of this card if you go to Zoso's corner. Dot substack.com episode 144. You can see this lovely card in all its splendor. The Empress Reverse indicates that you may have lost too much of your own willpower and strength because you have started placing too much effort and concern to other people's affairs. While the Empress nature is of showering her loved ones with attention and care, this can sometimes go overboard. Hmm. Oh, Jigs uh, posts some uh, milkers in the chat. Oh, milkers spotted. <laughs> oh yeah, you know what we say about those. You know, you know what we're talking about. Huge mommy milkers. 
Mm, milk truck just arrived. <laughs> Honk. Mommy milkers. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a nice card. Uh, yeah, I, I like that they got a couple uh, fetuses, feedi, in there that are uh, shooting each other with bolts of electricity. That's pretty metal. Everything seems to be in a weird sort of sense of balance and symmetry. And, you know, she's like, chaos the, of nature. she's like the third person the fool runs into. Yeah. Yeah. She's uh, early on in the, in the deal. She's only the third major arcana card. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, that card, along with all the show notes, uh, links to the videos that we might play, uh, producer credits, the tonight's episode art, all that's over at zososcorner.substack.com. We do the show live every Monday night, starting at 7.30, 9.30, 10.30 Eastern, respectively. And uh, regardless of what I try to do, you can always find us at badradio.live. Yes, despite our best <laughs> efforts, we live on, and our links do work. And you can find a link to just about everything. Again, it's zososcorner.substack.com, baby. <laughs> it, I will say it gave me a new phrase. Uh, to to chew on two fingers deep in the fuck around pudding. <laughs> I'll just put that on your tombstone, why don't I? Please, actually, if you could have them emboss it down the side of a cannon, that would be awesome. And then launch your remains out of said cannon. Yes, at uh, maybe like a crowd of people. <laughs> you know, I can take it or leave it. Yeah. Uh, bunch of high school kids. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it's what he would have wanted. Okay, that was much crueler than planned, but I saved the world. Oh, Lisa. Yeah. Um, this is a uh, this is a podcasted 2.0 compliant show. This is the only thing that we remain compliant to is new RSS standards. God damn it. Indeed. Uh, and what that means is if you go to nudepodcastapps.com, take all your clothes off, you can uh, check us out doing chapters, transcripts, uh, people tag, location tags. Uh, you can send boostergrams, which are, which are micropayments of Bitcoin over the Lightning Network. It's, um, there's a lot of new stuff uh, out there that you can play with, and it's all just a, just a labor wall. You got to find the app that you want to play with and download it, and that's it. A labor wall. How oppressive of you. I know. I try. This all falls under the value for value paradigm, us being a value for value show, which means that we don't have ads. We don't have any corporate sponsorship. We don't do any stupid reads. Uh, and in this way, we are able to talk about whatever we want to talk about. Nobody can censor us, and we aren't reliant on anybody's support other than the support of the people who listen to the show and enjoy the show. And everybody who contributes to the show is a producer. Don't get it twisted. Uh, you are indeed a producer of this program, uh, whether that be through financial contributions or by sending us information or a conversation or sending us art or music or uh, books or sending us stuff in the mail. People do that. It all is wonderful. It's all appreciated. And it's all part of this system. And if you want to support the shit that you love, then uh, go ahead and uh, be a producer. And the easiest way you could do that, I, I would imagine, is 
just by calling us and leaving us a voicemail, a screen mail. Yes. Um, let's hit some of these boostograms and we can get into a, a screen. Unless you want to do screen mails, then boost. Let's, let's play the jingle and then we'll list off the boosts while people call in. How about that? All right. Sounds good. Get your angel glow sticks. Speaking from a strictly medical point of view, that ain't right. Where's my motorboat, pig? Do a commercial. You're off your assistant roll call. Everybody's a safe suspect. You're a corporate whore. And uh, end of story. Put on your three glasses now. (laughs) No one gets into heaven without a glow stick. They're they're exactly what the new world order wants. Oh man, should we should we keep it going for for Pizar? I'll do it. Punisher. That's how you do it. The Punisher. The Punisher. Oh, I called brutality on you. Okay, that was much crueler than planned, but I. <laughs> I know it's not kazoo's, but uh. I was trying. I thought maybe the uh, the ukulele would be a nice touch. Hello? Lavish? Ah, the ukulele. Yes, I was muted. Ah. Of course. Uh, what a lovely uh, little tune that was, though. I, I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> the soundscape, man. You love it. Gotta. Uh, thank you, Pitar. Uh, early night for him. Usually he comes in the second second half of show and and slaughters the goats, but uh, you know he decided he wanted to get a little goat meat in early. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so happy with these. The Punisher. The Punisher. The Punisher. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> oh man, yes. Thank you, Pitar. Um, if you want to give us a call, six one two two six three seven nine nine nine. You can ring us up, leave a voicemail, scream if you gotta. Tell us how your wink went. Wink, wink. Tell us how your wink went. Tell us how your wink went. Mm. <laughs> hey, baby, you want to see how my wink went? Hey, baby, your daddy let you wink. <laughs> I don't know where your wink went, baby, but I want to come over here. Oh, <laughs> let's uh, let's do this voicemail. We'll read some boosts and get into some show. Do it. you dare that's why i'm leaving this vocal mail for for mr uh lavash and uh blueberry mothman of the sunny skies so wing walk i mean that's where we're at how was you guys this weekend and it's been fun. interesting interesting <laughs> got to help uh, help somebody is there with the new business adventure they're on. So that was kind of cool. Just got to, wife and I got to help them out and uh, just kind of pro bono. And uh, 
kind of get things. I'm anti Bono personally. That was exciting. Get to see uh, goals and stuff like that, and uh, improve and whatnot. So, yeah, I just kind of had a chillish day yesterday. So, anywho, enough about uh, that. So, uh, scream, 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 scream. You know, there's always things you can complain about, but like, why? You know, but uh, yeah. I guess it's uh, when people get to the point of uh, self-infliction. That's that's pretty bad. Something recently that uh, happened to somebody that I actually do not know personally, but uh, through through a grapevine kind of deal, and uh, find other people and they're going to go check on check on this uh, individual. They're going to go check on them right now. And, uh, yeah, and it's, that's, that's tough. Like, you're getting in, I mean, I guess you kind of, there's levels of self-inflection. I mean, you can do it slowly, you know, food or sugar, like, like, uh, Phoenix and Bone, but we're talking about on Saturday show, uh, but food or sugar or alcohol or drugs or whatever it be. But, uh, yeah, I guess this is actually like self-inflicted and, uh, they're already literally not in a great place to begin with, so. Yeah, but uh, I guess it's just one of those things, and I feel like I just always have this uh, this uh, same thread of going of like just be there for the people around you because, and sometimes at least in this case that's very very hard to do. But uh, yeah, so we'll give a little bit of ah! yeah, just uh, do your best to uh, to be there for people, and yeah, just literally never know. So all right. I love a guy state interest. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you, Comrade Christopher Battles. Yes, thank you, Comrade. Oh, a little Peruvian sugar. Mmm, don't mind if I do. You're needed. It's always nice to be needed. <sighs> Clears the sinuses. Peruvian marching powder. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Another Colombian Christmas has come and gone. I uh I can I can uh, empathize with uh with comrade Christopher Battles uh to certain degrees. And um some I, I just sometimes the you know, it just doesn't doesn't work out the way that uh that you wanted it to. And you just gotta keep uh, Peruvianly marching forward. Yes, by hell or high water. And as you say, trying to be around for those that you love, which is sometimes easier said than done. Mm-hmm. But we do it, damn it. We do it because we gots to. Oh yeah, we gots to. Gots to. Ooh, damn, yeah. that's uh, that 35k sats came out to 13... 33 Canadian dollars. Nice. Which I think is like five American dollars or something. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, magic dollars, we got uh, a bunch of booster grams sitting here. Um, and the last one from uh, the previous episode, 143, would have been from C. Brooklyn 112. Uh, C. Brook. Yeah, he got himself a goat. 
during during the week, he said Catherine Forrest is a cunt. Another great episode. Mm. And that would be the judge that convicted, i.e., through the book at Ross Ulberg. Ah, bitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, sixty-six, sixty-six from Pfeiffer through Fountain. He said, "Emergency goat needed just when they thought they were safe." Mm. Uh, we got. I accidentally boosted uh, uh, the show last night when I was trying to boost bowl after bowl, and I failed. I also accidentally boosted our show when I was trying to boost bowl after bowl. What the hell? Oh, goodness. What are we even doing here? It's because we're right next to each other behind the schemes, bowl after bowl. They're both the bees. Yeah, there's a lot of bees floating around there. What are the odds of us both doing that? We suck. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Just give money to myself. Uh, so we we suck it's a great episode by the way yes uh, with cotton know, gin with cotton gin it's always lovely hearing old cotton gin on there uh then we had 33 33 from dag about 10 hours ago through fountain he said jet fuel can't melt ungovernable means that's a conspiracy theory <laughs> that's just not right thanks mac Facts, map. Facts are meaningless. You can use facts to prove anything that's even remotely true. <laughs> true. Uh, we had a Jim Jones boost from Bully Steed through Fountain 2874. Give that sweetheart a little bit of love. Give that sweetheart a little bit of love. Uh, we had 13696 for Make Heroism. He tagged up the uh, that old G3 tower that I had over there. Oh yeah. yeah. Tag master make here. Yeah. And then uh, the twenty thirty three, that's the cricket boost from Make Heroism through Fountain. So many fountain ones. Um Fountain's so hot right now. Eighty eight eighty eight from Make Heroism. He got himself a little toasty uh <laughs> toasty gimp over there. Mm, wanted to wanted to toast some some bread there in the chest. Uh, and then we had one, two, three, four, five from Bully Steed, and she said, <laughs> "Dolphin Boost mm. adds up to six. Dame B. <laughs> yes, she, I, you know she's stay stay away from dolphins, everybody. I will add that to the list of uh, boostograms. I will do that. Yes, yes, Dolphin Boost. And then we had. Uh, thank you, Dean. I, Adam actually dropped a uh, bully steed ISO on this past episode. I didn't get a chance to clip it, but it's in my screenshots. Ah, uh, yeah. pending. Uh, let's count these goats up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Lucky thirteen goats coming in early, early day, but that's fine. Uh, trying to throw me off my game, but I'm ready, motherfucker. I'm ready to go. You, you can't get a goat past me. Yeah. I'm too quick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Get, get a quick chop in there. Mm. Chop whip. Mm. Yeah. Ooh, the, the one-two punch. Yeah. <laughs> and then last, but uh, certainly not least, it was Servo. 35,000 sets saying, did somebody say sugar? Or did I hear Peruvian marching powder? Mm. 
Servo racking him up. <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at the chat. What did I miss? <laughs> There's a lot of dolphin ejaculate and dolphin humping porn in the chat right now. You want to really check that out. Yeah. So come on in and uh, you got to go to irc.zerono.net and go to hashtag green room uh, in the IRC. And then you can be privy to all of this dolphin stuff going on here. Um, how about we get into some material? Uh, indeed, I believe it is time. As long as the stream is, uh, still, still good to go. Stream's going wild. Well, let me, uh, I'll refresh and try that again. And, uh, yeah, the NA stream should still be good to go. NA stream should be good. Um, all right, how about we do the nine-sided die? We can let this uh, try and connect while we... Nine-sided die? Yeah, nine-sided die, highest to... Ooh, closest right. to zero. I'm sorry, the ten-sided. Yeah, I was about to say, not, there's no such thing. Let's okay, a nine-sided die, or ten-sided die. God damn it, you got me all mixed up now. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> ten-sided die, closest to zero, will go first. Okie dokes. Pretty poorly. What'd you get? An eight. I got a zero. Bing bong, bing bong, bing. Crushed it right on the dot. I know. Last week too. I've been rolling, rolling that hot fire lately. Hot fire, hot fire coming through. Watch yourself. Don't get burned. Don't get toasted. Don't get toasted. You know what is toasted? You know it's roasted. Mm, a nice yeah. a nice coffee bean out of Maxwell House. Oh, I love coffee. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm drinking coffee. coffee. Right, I'm drinking coffee right now. Mm. Yeah, when I was up uh when I was gone when you had the hogs on, I was up in the Pacific Northwest. I got my hands on some delicious roasted coffee beans. Mm. Uh delightful. N- nothing quite like it. From Kenya, of all places. <laughs> nice. Kenyan coffee, yeah. Uh, we mentioned the Maxwell house because of somebody who had nothing to do with Maxwell house, but his name is Maxwell. Uh, and I'm talking about, of course, famous global publishing conglomerate, uh, Robert Maxwell. Do you know about this guy? Have you seen this? Have you heard of this? Hmm. Maxwell. Where have I heard this name before? Hmm. Hmm. Well, he is a very well-known fellow, but yes, you're right. Uh, There is someone in his family who is arguably more famous in this day and age, and that might be his daughter, Ghislaine. Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine. Ghislaine. Yes. Some sort of uh, Euro way of pronouncing her name that I don't understand. Ghislaine. Ghislaine. (laughs) They call me the Drizzlin' Ghislaine. Ugh. Do they now? Do they now? This guy, this just is another testament to how evil this bastard was that he would name his daughter Jislaine. What a prick. Yeah. 
That's the sign oh, of a psychopath. Yeah, and this guy is a psychopath, as we will find out. So for anybody who uh, doesn't know who Ghislaine Maxwell is, or Ghislaine Maxwell, she is the uh, former associate of Jeffrey Epstein, a famous uh, sex trafficker and disgraced, I don't know, hobnob of the elitist world, a guy that kind of came from nothing uh, to manage the money of billionaires and operate in uh, you know, a very clandestine sphere of society. Did you have something to say? Don't believe the hype. Don't look at the flight logs. It's all fake. Don't look at the flight logs. It doesn't matter that him and Bill Gates hung out all the time. It doesn't matter that there are dozens and dozens of well-known celebrities in this day and age who have been to that island. Where all kinds of things... It's been, it's been established that uh, the Epstein Island and that Jeffrey Epstein was part of a sort of a, an elitist honeypot operation where... As we understand it, you know, you've got the the people that truly run the world, the old families, the uh the uh was it the 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 three hundreds, the, the the black hand, the super global elite that aren't uh, famous and kind of control money and, and have been working on it for a long time. And then you have the people under them. You have the middle management people, and those are the people that we're familiar with, you know, your presidents and your prime ministers and and uh, your liaisons in that era, in that area, sorry. And Epstein, his job, as far as we can tell, was creating blackmail. Was, uh, you know, if you want to be part of the club, then you have to be compromised. They have to have shit on you so that if you ever turn on them, they can go and release all the footage of you uh, doing all those naughty things behind closed doors. And this is one of the <laughs> tools of controlling the world. And Jelaine Maxwell was a player in this. Uh, she, they call her an accomplice of Epstein, but for all we can tell, she was probably the, what would you call it, The enabler. She was the, the handler. No she doubt. She was the one with the money and the connections. And Jeffrey Epstein was uh, not important at all. As far as his family was concerned, as far as blood bloodlines are concerned. And so little is said these days about her father, Robert Maxwell, who not only was a massive force in the publishing world for decades, uh, all the way from the post-World War II era through straight on into the 90s, this guy was a, a really a whale in, in, in media and in, and in publishing. Mm, do you think you should be calling people whales? I'm just well, saying. Well, I mean, Brendan <laughs> Fraser just got the Oscar for it, so. Well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Brendan Fraser made being a whale cool again. It was fat phobic, okay? Uh, he doesn't even know, you know, he doesn't even know about the crypto whales either. They're all different kinds of fat people. Oh, wait. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. My bad. Uh, a facilitator, Bully Steed says. Yes, she's a facilitator uh, under this guy. Yeah, and Epstein, he he kind of strikes me as the guy that works the night shift at GameStop, has no management position. Um, he he is just like ground level underling. That that's what I consider Epstein. Yeah, he. 
who made friends with the boss's daughter. Yeah. And now he gets to run around the building like he owns the place. Because as long as he's with her, he's cool. He's in. That's the vibe that you kind of get from all this. She's definitely a spoiled, rich daughter of a power player who uh, apparently adored her. But uh, let's get into, let's talk about Robert Maxwell, because not only was he a, a, you know, a big publishing guy, he is considered one of the founding fathers of the nation of Israel. Oh. He is one of the guys who uh, got arms and uh, influence for the people that were trying to forge that nation uh, at the time, and in many ways was tied to all of the intelligence spooks on every single side. This guy was a triple agent, not a double agent triple agent uh let's play the first clip shall we maxwell one british business magnate robert maxwell had just paid 2.7 billion dollars to take over the u.s publishing giant macmillan incorporated part of a massive shopping spree to build up his maxwell communications into one of the world's top 10 publishing empires since then he has also hammered out a joint venture with school book publishers mcgraw hill today maxwell's oh, wow. various companies in 28 countries employ about 40,000 people, nearly half of them here in the United States. Just who is Robert Maxwell? He was born Jan Ludwig Hock 66 years ago in Czechoslovakia to Jewish peasants who were swept away in the Holocaust. Today, he is the stormy petrel of the international business world, called Captain Bob by those who like him, the bouncing check by those who don't. A workaholic is constantly on the prowl for television stations, cable companies, satellite systems, newspapers, magazines, from Hong Kong to New York. We went over the log with your pilot, and this plane within the last 10 days has been to Finland, and Germany, and Canada, and to France a couple of times, and back to London a couple of times, and I don't understand it. How in the world <laughs> you have three pilots, but you're one man? The Maxwell Communications, this concept of mine, which I've been working on for 40 years, to become a world communication and information business, one of the 10 mega corporations, has just taken off. We have become the flavor of the year all over the world. Hyperbole, exaggeration, is a Maxwell trademark. That plus monumental energy. For five days, we tried to keep pace with it. Saturday afternoon in Cannes on the French Riviera. An international television conference is in town, and so is Robert Maxwell. Nearby, his opulent 175-foot yacht. For Maxwell, a floating boardroom. The deal he's closing this Saturday evening, the purchase of one of France's largest printing companies. The negotiations last till 3 a.m. Sunday, a sublime morning on Maxwell's yacht. First aboard, the head of Japan's major television network. A customer, he hopes, for the European TV news show Maxwell is planning to produce. We're looking for a Dan Rather for Europe. Oh. Mm-hmm. A Europe Dan Rather. Um, I believe they would rather. So, before we go any further, I heard him mention McGraw-Hill Publications. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with them? McGraw-Hill Publications. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh McGraw Hill, and I know this because we spent so much time looking for textbooks in thrift stores. Uh looking for specific publishers for different classes when we were uh doing high school, right? 
Mm-hmm. We would get college books and buy those and then use them for the textbooks. Yeah, private browsing knows. Uh, it's an American educational publishing company and one of the, quote, big three educational publishers that publishes educational content, software, and services for pre-K through postgraduate education. Uh, they publish reference and trade publications for the medical, business, and engineering professions, operates in 28 countries, and uh, um. uh or, da, 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 that's about it for off the top there. Mm-hmm. So major educational publishing company. Yeah. They are the ones that print the textbooks. They are the textbook printers. Yes. Uh, he, this is his early forays into publishing seemed to do with this. He was interested in educational publishing. Uh, and that includes scientific journals as well. So he was involved in the actual publish. I mean, that seems like a big power play to have control over the actual educational material. Oh man, that's that's one of the biggest power plays. Yeah, and that's where he made his initial fortune, and that's that was his big thing. He really wanted to to control all of that. Uh, that was his whole life's work. Maxwell Communications, as he says, he operated in 28 countries. He employed over 40,000 people, half in the U.S. And it also talked a little bit about his early life, the fact that he was born Jan Ludwig Hyman Binyamin Hoch, and he changed his name multiple times uh, throughout his early adulthood. Uh, he was born in Czechoslovakia uh, in what is now Ukraine. And he fought Nazis uh, back when Czechoslovakia was occupied by the Nazis. He joined the the army in exile and was considered, uh, in many ways, a war hero. But then after the war, he changed his name again and again. At one point, he named himself after a popular cigarette brand. Ooh. And he was selling cigarettes, and he was selling other things on the street, on the black market. And uh, and things sort of escalate from there. If you'll please play clip two, KGB. I wanted to find out who Maxwell really was and how he built such an empire. You know, Maxwell was keen to let everyone know he was a decorated war hero. But his life in post-war Berlin is where things got very shady. He runs a very, very lucrative black market operation, buying and selling cigarettes and nylons and all chewing gum, food, everything. He is the heart of taking goods from zone to zone and putting the cash in his pockets. Wow, smuggler, cool. Smuggler. And Maxwell was someone who wants power, who wants influence, who wants wealth, who wants to change the world. He goes across the Russians, declares himself, gets on very well with them, and establishes good connections. He becomes a KGB agent. Maxwell was a special person. He was uh, received in our highest spheres. In our parlance, it was called a useful, efficient relation. So that meant that a foreigner can be useful to us as a person who would have an access to some information and who would 
willingly or unwillingly, share it with us. At the same time, he presents himself to MI6 and he says that he's established amazing connections with leading scientists all over the world. Unbelievably, what he really wanted was MI6 to finance him to start a publishing company. It was obvious that he'd been doing odd things for MI6 in Germany already and he suggested that um, we should subsidize him to buy a book business. I don't know of any other case, um, I was certainly never involved in any other case of MI6 buying a business for anybody. He's both working for British intelligence and Russian intelligence. No loyalties other than to himself. I just want to say, if any of our producers want to help us procure a publishing company... <laughs> Yeah, if anybody wants to help finance that, we'd love to get into the publishing business. <laughs> Behindtheschemes.com. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> BTS Publishing. At me, bro. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like what you posted here. So you're, you're making more connections with this McGraw-Hill and Macmillan, the, the companies which combine elementary, secondary, educational public publishing holdings into a joint venture that will be the nation's second largest textbook publisher. And so, uh, Servo did have an addendum that McGraw Hill operates in 28 countries and they got about 4,000 employees. Um, but they offer products and services to about 140 countries and 60 languages. So they're touching everybody. I imagine that there's a homogenization of education. You're, you're able to control education all over the world in this way. Mm-hmm. By controlling the very textbooks, and we probably can thank him in part for the for-profit nature of textbooks. If anybody has ever gone to college, you'll know just what a fucking scam textbooks are. And uh, and in high school, I mean, I'm sure just throughout all all of all of schooling, but it only gets more expensive as you get older. My, By the uh, time you get to college, you got to buy five hundred dollar textbooks every other semester. I had a. Uh... Uh, tech director, shop teacher. He's like, I only put the the textbook in the syllabus because they made me. <laughs> yeah, you always see uh, teachers like rebelling against the textbook thing, yeah. or making their own textbook and publishing it. Ooh, just, yeah, that's you know. the way you do. It. That's that's how you play that money. I mean, that's or the real guitar. way to do it. Yeah, that's the way you do it. So this is uh, this guy. You're starting to kind of get to know him a little better. So World War II, Czechoslovakia, very shady character operating in the uh, in the black market as a smuggler. Yeah, moving goods uh, from here to there. Now somehow, pre- presumably through his military connections, he starts working for the KGB, the Russian intelligence spooks, and then he goes over to British intelligence, MI5. And uh, starts selling information to the highest bidder. So he's telling the Russians about the Brits. He's telling the Brits about the Russians. And he's making a fortune along the way. And meanwhile, he gets MI5 to help finance his uh, initial publishing company. That's how you do it. I'm sure it comes with the connections to be successful there. So now the government, once again, in special interest, once again, infiltrate the press and uh, infiltrate education. Seems like it's uh, fairly prevalent. 
Yeah. It's just so easy. Everybody was doing it. That's the hippest, hottest thing you can do. Fly, little mockingbird, fly. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like a garden. You're just growing all these little things everywhere. Just sprinkle a little water here, a little water there. See what happens. <laughs> now, this guy is an interesting character. You know, I don't want to just say that everything was handed to him on a platter. He, he obviously was a psychopathic workaholic. And uh, a pretty clever guy, from what I can tell, if you can play clip three, A Day in the Life. It feels like you're waterboarding yourself. And just to in give what you language? In English. But with the satellites, we now can give you simultaneous translation in all languages. No problem. From his shipboard office, Captain Bob catches up with one of his editors oh. in Scotland. And when I reach you. Mesdames et messieurs, avec votre Next, an onshore press conference. Maxwell, using just three of his eight languages, oh, wow. talks Dave. about his risky plan to launch an English-language newspaper for all of Europe. And you think it'll move? Our market research shows a remarkable demand for it. What would can be without a seaborne cocktail party? For Maxwell, it's another night of networking. And after all the wheeling and dealing, you might think Maxwell would head down the coast for a little R&R. He's not even tempted. By 9 o'clock the next morning, Maxwell is in New York, already into talks in his hotel suite, reviewing takeover possibilities with his American lieutenants. Maxwell is notoriously short-tempered with those who work for him, and even with those who don't. Just give him the message, please, and stop giving us a hard time. The Maxwell style is to stack up high-priced executives, lawyers, assorted visitors in different rooms and make the rounds. That is former Texas Senator John Tower cooling his heels. Over there, a reporting team from Forbes magazine. They make do with grabbing Maxwell on his way out. And off to New York's World Trade Center. Mr. Maxwell. Wow. What what privilege to surround yourself with the those folks yeah you just you know you get a little uh walk routine in you get your ten thousand steps instead of having everybody in in one room you just you know you put four guys here you put five guys there and then you just kind of meander through the building and, and you know you busy yourself in that way and i uh, saw so you react to the fact that he speaks eight languages that's uh th- i mean that's nothing to scoff at that's like pretty Cool. I wish I spoke eight languages. <laughs> and that definitely makes it easier for you to operate on an international scale. And through the through all of his companies, he really is a major proponent for what we now call globalism. Mm. He is a proto-globalist. He oh, is interested in, in unifying the world through news and through uh and through his publishing. A proto-list. A proto-list. Something like that. Oh, I'm just checking out the the chat here. There seem to be plenty of people familiar with the education system in the green room. No doubt. Uh, You know, we're all educated here. (laughs) We all got touched one way or another. (laughs) Where on the doll did did the college touch you? Where, where in the doll did big education stick it? <laughs> All over the place. All over the place. Uh, so we would be remiss without 
we mentioned this guy. By the way, any any thoughts or anything that you want to add? So uh, this guy's connected. Um, you know, you gotta you have to mean it to teach yourself eight languages. You know what you want to to just be to be able to speak in that many tongues. You know what you want. Yeah. Uh, the this is the Euro way. They grow up learning all this all this stuff, and the way that he talks in English, it sounds like he it could be British. Yeah, you don't hear really a hint of any accent. It's a very natural British accent, and uh, you wouldn't even know this guy is Czech, and that English is probably like his third language. Uh, so we've got Robert Maxwell, and we've got his uh, his empire growing over the decades. And being a man who has created many enemies for himself, it's fair to say that he was having trouble finding trustworthy people in which he could confide in and run, help him run his business dealings, uh, and people that he could trust. So, luckily for him, he happened to have, checks notes, nine kids. Oh, yeah. That's right. Ghislaine Maxwell was one of nine children. And uh, as the chat room mentioned earlier, I believe it was Bullysteed and some other people, uh, they said that uh, Maxwell's sisters actually work for a think tank in Berkeley, and that uh, a lot of them are very successful and not nearly as famous as their sister. I don't have the link on hand, but there's a pretty good Hireside Chats interview with Whitney Webb where she discussed it, the the sister. Ooh, nice. I would like to hear that. I will find it for you. Well, we can do that a little later. For now, we've got, let's see, there's there's three kids that we'll mention here, the three kids that seem to be most directly involved with Maxwell Communications, and that would be his two sons, Ian and Kevin, and, of course, everyone's favorite is Ghislaine. He can play a clip for the kids. He didn't really trust anyone, so as the Empire grew... More and more, he brought his sons, Kevin and Ian, into the business at the upper echelon. Ian and Kevin Maxwell, joint managing directors of Maxwell Communications. I look forward to working with my colleagues at reaping the benefits of bringing together the excellent acquisitions made in the last year or two, together with the original publishing, communication, and information businesses of Maxwell Communication. We recognize that the largest single market, which will be of immediate opportunity to our group, will be Europe. Ian I knew quite well, especially in the early days, and liked a lot. Very charming, very erudite. Kevin I knew much less well, and always found rather frosty and remote. Glenn was always floating in and out of the business, so she would crop up from time to time in various capacities. Often she'd be filling in for him at the receptions again as his representative. So we were only really on nodding terms. They kept saying to me when Ghislaine left Oxford, could I hire her? And I said, Bob, I'm running a newspaper and I, I don't think Ghislaine wants to be a journalist. She was very beautiful when she was young and she was clever. And it's always said that she was his favorite child. Ghislaine used to flit around the building. I never forget, she would sit on the corner of my desk She had beautiful long legs. She was very glamorous. And I remember one day, Maxwell wanted someone to work on the the annual report. And I was told to sit in his office in a cupboard 
and it was a cupboard. The doors opened, but had a chair and a computer, and I just sat there. He was at his desk, and my back was to him the whole time. So obviously, I heard everything. All the phone calls, he had many phone calls, of course, um, and he never, ever put the phone to his ear. He's always on loudspeaker, because he was just couldn't be bothered to hold the phone to his ear, so you heard everything. Okay, well, I'm in the study at the moment upstairs. I'll, I'll be in touch with you. But I was just there. He just forgot I was there. Reception rang through and said, it's Ghislaine, Mr. Maxwell. And he says, put her on. So the next thing I hear is, meow. <laughs> and he went, meow, meow. And she went, meow. <laughs> he was going, meow, meow. And then this went on for, I don't know, about 10 meows. And then he suddenly said, what are you doing? And she said, nothing. And I thought, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> he had a, definitely had a different relationship with Ghislaine, I think, than he had with the others. To which he responded, who's a good boy? Oh, you're a good boy. Man. I am a good boy. Ugh. And Bully Seed's right. You know, what more could you ask for to spy? Long legs? Huge mommy milkers! Mm-hmm. Some big ones and some long ones. Definitely in. <laughs> yes, ten meows is my limit as well, Captain Oblivious. So we have a, a verified witness reporter, Robert Maxwell, meowing with his daughter. It's cute, man. It's either cute or it's sex kitten programming. Hard to uh, say. Hard to or, say. You know, all the above. <laughs> it's either very wholesome or MK Ultra. Ugh. Ugh. It's all bizarre. But a, a little, a nice little peek behind the, uh, behind the curtain. You know what I mean? Totally. Uh, oh, Robert. So I figured we're going to talk about this guy, and we're talking about all of the awful things he did. I might as well include a very specific example of this man's business practices. What, what did this guy do that was so darn nasty? What was his mo? Hmm. Well, we have. The story of Watford, the quiet little town, the prosperous English town of Watford in England. Uh, if you could play clip five. Robert Maxwell clinched his hold on Watford's printing industry two weeks ago when he bought Odoms off Reed International, adding it to the town's Sun printers, which he already owned. Since then, there's been speculation that one of the plants is certain to close. Tonight, Robert Maxwell wouldn't say which one, but he made it clear that massive redundancies are certain. I have estimated, and this, is only, uh, this can only be uh, an estimate at the present time, something like 1,200 jobs will go at both Odoms and Sun. That's a very bitter blow for the town. Do you feel there's no way around those redundancies? It is indeed a bitter blow, but the alternative is to have both plants shut, which would have been the case had the deal between Mr. Leslie Carpenter and myself not been concluded and, and very speedy uh, negotiations only a few weeks ago. 
the way it looks to me, a, a minimum of 1,200, if not 1,500 people will be losing their jobs in this town, which will be a disaster for the town, not just for those who are employed in the printing industry and the ancillary trades that supply the two big houses of Sun and Odoms, but uh, even the local shopkeepers. I mean, if it was to Odoms that was to go down the pan and because of his plan, then certainly this side of Watford would become like a ghost town, I should think. 2,700 people work for Sun and Odoms in Watford and all now face a Christmas wondering how secure their jobs are. In addition to job losses, union leaders fear the cuts will make it impossible to bring back lost print business to the town, which will no longer have the capacity to deal with it. No, there's no danger at all. I have recently acquired a major catalogue, the Argos catalogue, which we lost to the Italians on fair terms back to this country. It's worth £7 million over two years. We have ample capacity in this industry and in this country to cope. Tonight, print workers in Watford still don't know where the Jobs Acts will fall. Robert Maxwell has promised an announcement within the next few days. But meanwhile, he goes into negotiations with the elements of surprise and uncertainty on his side. This is Steve Clark for Thames News in Watford. Indeed. Old Watford. So, for over a hundred years, Watford was a world-renowned center of commercial printing. Uh, it was uh, one of Britain's most prosperous towns of the time. And uh, indeed, as the center of England's commercial printing industry, it was a global of global importance. The two major publishing houses in the town were, as he said, uh, Sun Printers, and Autumns, so Sun and Autumns is what they keep refer, referring it to. And the, basically the whole town ran on these two printers and, and on a couple other small ones. And in the 80s, our boy Robert Maxwell came in and bought up both of them uh, over the course of a number of years. And as soon as he had acquired the second one, uh, he, shut, he started shutting them down and uh, relocating all of them elsewhere, rendering most of the town unemployed and devoid of their main industry. I have uh, pictures of some of the things they have, these old publishing houses today, which are now empty and run down. Uh, but uh, they're historical, and they're the local population are trying to keep them around, they're trying to keep them from being bulldozed. And uh, I got a picture in there of the old Sun building. Let's take a look at this. Sunday. And also a little uh, dissertation on the on the manner, a brief history uh, of the demise of Sun Engraving Company. And I got the Sun's Clock Tower in there in the show notes at Zoso's Corner dot substack dot com, episode one forty four. Ah, uh, Sun Engraving. Here it is. Mm-hmm. So despite the fact that uh, this guy came in and kind of had a big part to play in, in pulling the plug on the whole thing, the town is still uh, very lovely, still you know, a beautiful little English hamlet. This is a nice little PDF here. Oh, yeah. Uh, wow. I mean, just up and shut it down. Shut it down, shut him up. Yeah, I mean... One could argue that the industry was on the downslide anyway because certain technologies were coming around that were making some of the old ways obsolete and um, 
cost heavy. But uh, he he was the the actor in the situation. It's like when Soros says, you know, well, if I didn't do it, someone else would have. Well, but it was you that did it, and so in the situation, it was him that 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 was the catalyst for all of this. So that's just one example of this guy's sort of uh, business acumen. Could you imagine using that excuse with necrophilia? Well, if I didn't fuck the dead girl, somebody was going to do it. Someone was going to do it. So, you know, I'm just playing my part. I am completely absolved of all responsibility. I am merely dust in the wind. Oh, man. This, uh, remind me, when we go to post-production, I can, uh, I can flip that track back to stereo. Get oh, yeah. Both, uh, both headphones. Sure, sure, yeah. One of them was lopsided. Um, wow. And then I see that you found the this uh, episode here. The Whitney, the higher side chats there. Very good. Yeah, you know, actually, there was something I was going to say about this. Uh, there is a very specific character from a very specific movie that this guy reminds me of. And if I can find a good clip of it here real quick. Um, he reminds me of Othos from Beetlejuice. I'm here with you. I will live with you in this hellhole. But I must express myself. If you don't let me gut out this house and make it my own, I will go insane and I will take you with me. Oh, uh, not the one I thought it was. But Othos, hmm. Beetlejuice, that's what that guy sounds like. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, he sounds like Stephen Fry as well. It's very... Old stodgy British, you know. Mm-hmm. I'd like a good pea pudding in the morning. Stuffy. Yeah. That was his name. He sounds close. like an uh, if an old molded piece of cheese could talk. <laughs> how's that you know, for how's that for a uh, a puppet? <laughs> how's that for a little theater of the mind? Yes, we can uh, use you. <laughs> yes, my uh, moldy little cheese block. How are you, my moldy little darling? My yeah. jizz lane. Oh, mm, meow. Meow, <laughs> I say meow. M- meow, meow. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Y- could so you imagine? Much. Maybe, maybe let's say in an alternate reality, uh, Robert was born like, I don't know. 30 years later, but he still had Ghislaine mm-hmm. and they still had that phone conversation, except they're just uh, doing this back and forth. Oh, did he? Ooh, woo. Ooh, woo. Did he? I like the, how they kind of portray Ghislaine in this light of like, She's flitting around the building. She's kind of just going into people's offices and sitting on their desks and shooting the shit. And everyone's kind of wondering like what she's doing. <laughs> yeah. You know. Oh, uh, you know, she's she's the the, the boss's daughter. It's yeah. cool it's cool to have her around. She's hip, she's flirty. Yeah, she's got nice legs. Uh, huge mommy, huge mommy milkers. Yeah, a couple of Kazars. 
Damn. Straight from, from the motherland, you know what I mean? Uh, let's see here. Was, uh, did you have anything else on that one? Uh, or, uh, I think for now that's fine. Uh, we could, we could definitely delve more into Maxwell and, and his role to play in the formation of the Israeli state among many other things. But I think for now that's a, a fine enough little introduction. And just a reminder as to who he was and, and where she comes from and what system that they are playing a part in. And how many ties there are to the intelligence community. The intelligence, intelligence community. community. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, once you get the journalism in there and then you get the education angle, angle and uh, all your friends are super uh, well-to-do folks, like, you're set. Yeah. And you just get to, I mean, for the rest of her life, she just showed up at, you know, Vogue parties and high-end marketing parties and, you know, these super, super fancy places that are hard to get into, taking pictures with everybody from, uh, you know, the Clintons all the way up to Elon Musk. She just happens to find herself at all these places. And somehow she keeps getting invited. Who keeps inviting her to all these things? Don't know. I don't know. But that is our boy Robert Maxwell. Yeah, the uh, I I do I I I'm fascinated by the education angle. The publishing goes deep because he had he had a handle on a lot of stuff. He was controlling a lot of the printed literature that was being produced for many decades, and especially as far as education is concerned. That was his bread and butter. And the fact that the uh, that MI five had their sticky little fingers in it all the way from the start, just another compromised institution. Makes you wonder who uh, drops his marching orders down. Yeah, who watches the Watchmen? Mm-hmm. Spooky. Yeah. Uh, do we have any scream mails? Uh, damn straight, we got some scream mails. We also got a text message. Um, yes. What did Texter say? Texter said, uh, oh goodness. Texter said, sent a naughty picture. He said, (laughs) check out the new iPhone. Gosh, I need a new iPhone. Uh, let's see here. Get that one saved. Uh, let me go back here. Check out the new iPhone. Gosh, I need a new iPhone. Uh, phone inside her info. No, the Chuck Taylors don't match. (laughs) Chuck (laughs) T's. And uh, I will I will gladly share this uh, NSFW uh, sh- uh, picture for you there in the chat. Boom. Well, thank you, Dexter. Appreciate it. I- I'm a I'm yeah. a big fan of the Chucks. Big fan. Of the oh Chucks. yeah, everybody. Oh yeah, that those that's the rock and roll shoe of choice. <laughs> Some nice high tops. Timeless. Timeless. Let's uh, let's see what this next caller's got. Hey guys, uh, this isn't a scream mail. Um, I was just wondering if either of you uh, listened to the newest Higher Side Chats episode with I think his name was Adam Green. Um, 
talked about the Judeo-Christian God and all that. Elohim. Jazz. Uh, <laughs> if not, I guess check it out. Uh, yeah, later. Yes, caller. I am familiar with this Judeo-Christian God jazz that you speak of. <laughs> yes, the God of jazz, yes. Ooh, nice picture you dropped in the chat there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those Adam, are some nice shoes. Nice, nice chucks. Nice chucks. <laughs> nice chucks. Want to sneed? <laughs> oh! <laughs> you see, it's funny because it sneeds feed and seed. <laughs> but the former owner's name was Chuck, you see. So, yeah, I see it. Oh, that's funny. Uh, I will absolutely check out the uh, that higher side chatter. It is. I had it pulled up. I, oh, shit, but I lost it somewhere. Adam Green, the Abrahamic uh, Conspiracy Prophecy Programming and Creating Theological Controlled Opposition. Oh. Oh, controlled opposition, you say. Uh, topics covered Christian conspiracy, culture creation, and occult conspiracy. Wow. Cool. Uh, well then, no more news. Okay, okay, I got you. I happen to have the Higher Side Chats page up already. What a what a synchronicity that is. Yeah, nice. Way to go, caller. We appreciate that. I uh, enjoy Higher Side Chats. Good stuff. I like this little bullet point. If Jesus isn't real, then why do demons respond to his name? Checkmate, atheists. <laughs> eat it, fool. Eat it. Uh. Eat it. Eat it. Eat it. Well, we all know who the greatest Zionist of all was. And that would be Adolf Hitler. Without him, none of this would be possible. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, looking at you, UN. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's, um, I got a, I got intermission here. I got intermission. Oh, I gotta, yeah. I what can you here. tell us about your intermission? Oh, what do I want to tell you about this intermission? Let me scroll on down to the list here. Tell me. I ain't scrolling too far. Um, there is actually something exciting about this intermission. I got some links to tracks that I found. At musicsideproject.com. So, if you scroll to the intermission, or or in the show notes, or you're using a podcast and 2.0 app, and you click the outbound link, you can go check out those tracks, click on them, go to the Music Side Project, and then you'll be able to boost them. Sweet. Yeah. And I got some Tone Wrecker in there. It's fucking awesome. It's good shit. Tone Wrecker. Tone Wrecker. You may have heard of him. Uh, you may have heard about it. If you haven't seen Tone Wreckers, uh, he does some uh, really phenomenal collage art. It is so good. He did a podcast in 2.0 episode show art, and uh, goodness, it was crazy shit. Hmm. Crazy shit. I uh, like it. Yeah, but we'll be back. This one's about 13 minutes after that. Uh, I think we're going to go look at some angels. Ah, in the outfield. 
Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Feel your money, baby. <laughs> Yo, you brought my heart. Yo, 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 took a while to see it, but I'm breaking up her fear. Cause she keeps on cheating on me, telling me the same old story when she keeps on duplicating. Now I'm dealing with inflation, now there's talk of a recession, pulls me back on my progression. There's no love and no connection, she became the worst protection. And my failure's a lesson, studying BTC sessions, gonna DCA to BTC, make my money stretch, feeling like Mr. Fantastic Reed. Richard with the flex, no, think about my ex, you're moving to the next Fear money, baby, drives me crazy, too much stress, no, think about my ex, you're moving to the next Fear money, baby, drives me crazy, too much stress, yo, TCA to BTC, that's my new philosophy When it comes to money, man, that's my new strategy, that's my new remedy, that's the new armory God gave me some talents and I want him to be proud of me, I do it for my family I'm at community in 23. Yo, you will see it different me. Chilling with my new boo on Bitcoin Beach. She stays in gold wallets, but she's easy to reach. Every time I talk about her, make the pleb say preach. Yo, she's the only currency I want to keep. Yo, she's the only currency I want to see. I don't like altcoins or CBDCs. I don't want that noise, man. I just want peace. Be it money, baby, drives me crazy, now I'm free Yo, B-I-T-C-O-I-N We've known about each other since 2010 And we've been going steady for a couple of years Be it money wants me back, but I had to be clear Nope <laughs> I don't love you no more I'm a BTC man now I hate to dream, because dreaming takes energy. It takes work. <laughs> Sleeping is supposed to be a relaxing affair. I lay down on a bed, it feels great. Next thing you know, I have to build a go-kart with my ex-landlord. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you can't sleep, count sheep. Don't count endangered animals, you will run out. I sucked him deeper into my mouth. Almost to the face. And just when he moaned, I released him, gliding my tongue along the long, hard length of him until his dick was glistening. I laughed at the moisture leaking out of his tip. And the taste of him infused my tongue making my head spin. I was blowing my best friend. It was so surreal. It was what I dreamed about for so long, and the fantasy was nothing compared to the reality. Fuck yeah. Canning's hips began to rock as I took him in my mouth again. I licked the crown of his cock, teasing, savoring, then taking him deep again. 
Every husky thing he said practically made me go up in flames. I knew I would enjoy this, but if he was too, mind-bending. I quickened the pace, squeezing his shaft on every upstroke, tighter than I thought he'd like, but he kept muttering, harder, faster. Wes, a choke sound left his lips. Fuck, Wes, you're making me come. His fingers pulled my hair to the point of pain, his abs tightening as his hip rocked faster. A few seconds later, he groaned. The husky sound vibrated against my lips as he went still, thrust deep, and came inside my mouth while I swallowed up every last drop. I teased and caressed for several long moments before slipping my finger inside. My other hand gripped his erection. I'm selfish, but I don't want him to come until I'm buried deep inside him. So I don't take him in my mouth or jerk him as hard as I know he wants. Slow, feather-like strokes is all he gets as I work my finger into his tight hole. When a second finger joins the party, his brows draw together. Beads of sweat break out on his forehead. Mine too. <clears throat> Loosening him up is one of the hottest things I've ever done. It takes all my concentration. All three fingers, he moans loud enough to wake the dead, and I release his erection to press my palm to his mouth. I push forward again, and this time I'm able to ease in. Just the tip, but holy hell, the pressure is incredible. He's hot and tight, squeezing in, squeezing me into oblivion. Oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. It's all he seems capable of saying as my cock tunnels deeper.
addicted to crack to see how hard it is to quit. I'm not gonna lie, I have no idea what to expect. Is this a good idea, dude? If you wanna be in my fucking vlogs, just shut up and film. <laughs> All right, let's smoke crack. Whoa. Do you feel okay? I feel good right now. I kinda feel like my Adderall. Fuck, dude, I'm out of crack. We gotta get some more and then we'll film again. We don't need to get more. Crack. You don't know how crack works. This shit's so expensive, dude. Fuck, dude. I'm all out again. I think I need to sell something. All right, guys, I'm outside Tito's Pawn Shop. I just sold my uh, phone, traded it. I got this nice new camera, though. We're gonna keep this video going. I'm about to go buy some more crack. Fuck, dude. Are you addicted to crack yet? No, not yet, not yet. Can I have some money, dude? I don't have any more money. You fuck. You have money, dude. dude. I have nothing left to sell. Go back to making YouTube videos. You have a YouTube channel. I do have a YouTube channel. What's up, you guys? You may not recognize me because I just bought this YouTube channel. So get ready for some- Is there any type of God to you? What do you mean when you use the word God? Through the ages, humans have created a mythological framework that has always involved some kind of higher spiritual powers. And as that goes away, as we know more and more that, and it seems harder and harder to prove that anything might exist like that, where does that leave us? On our own. <laughs> Which to my mind is much more responsible than hoping that someone will save us from ourselves so we don't have to make our best efforts to do it ourselves. When you say, do you believe in God? If I, I say yes or if I say no, you have learned absolutely nothing. But why would we use a word so ambiguous that means so many different things. Gives you freedom to what? define it. It you gives choose. you freedom to seem to agree with someone else with whom you do not agree. It covers over differences. It makes for social lubrication, but it is not an aid to truth.
We now return to Behind the Schemes. Starring Uberry, 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 Uberry. Ooh, just in time. Welcome back to second second half of show for episode 143 of Behind the Schemes. 144 of Behind the Schemes. 144. And it is March 20th, 2023. It is about to be 9.30 p.m. over here on the bereft coast, which means it's 11.30 p.m. on the central coast, which means that it's midnight 30 over there on the beast. Goodness, I was still standing for that. (laughs) yeah still standing he he made it just in time maybe not after this i'll tell you what was delaying me i decided to make myself an iron butterfly an iron butterfly that's not i assume that you didn't put in an options trade no (laughs) it's a so you got white russians but instead of the cream i did a, a creamy liqueur so it's alcohol on alcohol Ah, an inspired choice. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got a Guinness. Nice. Creamy. Yeah, we're all on the, on the cream train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that last track, speaking of cream trains, that was a tone record with that one. Uh, called yeah. the LL Cool Society Rush Cut-Up uh, from his Mashup Reworks album. That uh, that song made the beat complete. Totally. It's jamming, jamming. We got some people uh, to thank for this episode. Excuse me. Uh, behind the schemes, uh, call them freaks of hazard. People that reach out and support uh, this production in the ways that um, they want to see it grow. Indeed, because we are a value for value production. We don't have as reads. We have producers, and we like to thank those producers at the top of every second, second half of show. And we shall do that right now. We had Sir Crossstitch come in with a monthly donation of five dollars and thirty-three cents. Yeah, Sir Crossstitch, thank you. Yes, thank you. Um, of course, the monthly donations are for stuff like uh, Spook.Social. Uh, we'll put them towards uh, monthly reoccurring payments on um you know infrastructure type deals it's awesome yes every dime goes back into the show uh and then mr ed actually had that uh carl sagan clip submission for intermission there yeah thank you mr ed yeah, he, he had Always got that great emails sent that in uh about two weeks ago i was able yeah. to slide it in for this one and just so there is a little uh you know Line, uh, we're getting stuff into the intermissions. People have been sending things in for the intermissions. And uh, if you haven't heard your song come through in an intermission yet, don't worry. It's coming. Oh, it'll be coming. All right. It's, it'll be done. Come <laughs> soon. So, just hold on to your, your boots. <laughs> and pretty soon they'll be storming Cinderella's castle. You can be sure of it. You can be sure of that, Joe. With their Peruvian marching powder. Storm Cinderella's castle. Go forth and conquer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I definitely just want again, well, once again, thank uh, Brandon, who I was talking to uh, over at DreamHost today, helping me get that sourced out. Um, Ricky. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> uh, Ricky from Prometheus.Systems. He was uh, helping me take a look at stuff simultaneously during that phone call. 
Um, and they're the guys that run spook.social for us. Uh, so very much appreciate that. Um, Servo, Spencer, Lorian, Cotton Gin, and yourself, Lavish. Um, yeah, just thanks. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for your courage and, uh, you know, no harm, no foul. And I, uh, Lightbright m- brought this up and I, I think it's a good point. I'm going to take this next week to get sort of resettled in. So I might be having more of a paired back show for the next week or so as I, um, kind of figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's time to experiment. So I'm thinking, um, maybe, uh, maybe we'll do some open voice, uh, voice uh, lines. Oh, that might be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I did do that. Yeah, dude, we could do that. We could, you know, we haven't done in a long time as we haven't uh, hit up the old man myth and magics. Ooh, excellent choice. We could possibly uh, bust that out. Those are always good. As a matter of fact, I think I have a whole volume here I haven't even read from yet. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I do have that um, big disinformation book, too. The uh, There was that Church of the Motherfucker article. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be fun. Um, maybe maybe yeah. we'll be uh, reading to you a lot these next couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh, my. Hey, just sharing the literature. I love it, man. It's good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. Uh, do we have uh, any boostograms come in? I would also like to thank, even though they aren't in the Freaks of Hazards, I'd like to thank Fletcher for having me on Hog Story today. Uh, he hit me up about two hours before the show mm. and said, hey, Carolyn's uh, not feeling well. Would you like to step in? And I went, of course. Be honored. Nice. And uh, so thank you, Fletcher. I am poor, poor substitute for the great Carolyn Blaney. And I could, I could just feel the whole... Smoker just sigh like, oh, Carolyn's not here. Oh, but you know she'll be back. She's wonderful, and you know she'll she'll tough out whatever she's going through, and she'll be back. So thank you, uh, Hog Story is before our show every Monday night at uh, five o'clock Pacific, seven o'clock Central, eight o'clock Eastern. Yep. Uh, also a show that goes lit. Indeed, quite compliant. Mm. <sighs> Boost my bitch up. Yeah, that's how the Mothman comes. <laughs> that is that is how the Mothman comes. Come and sex. Yeah. <laughs> now you're getting it. Could be lavash. I I saw lovish. Oh, some do. Man. Some do. Honk honk. <laughs> <laughs> you're making me blush through my clown makeup. I, I can keep going, man. And I don't think you would get that 3D um, effect that that uh, traditional titties would have. Yeah, this is what. Uh, come back to us, Carolyn. We miss you. Mm, no doubt. I hope you. I uh, hope you get uh, better soon. Start feeling better soon. Get well, bra. <laughs> oh man, let's uh check in i i did catch some of the episode i'm excited to uh catch the rest of it um we talked a lot about the pyramids yeah and as always i'm always impressed by fletcher's detailed memory of not only of the great pyramid but also of several other pyramids all over egypt and all the theories associated 
Yeah. And we talked about bees. We had a really good talk about bees that I think you're going to like. And oh. how bees uh, hum themselves into a a magnetically neutral state in which they, they levitate. Oh, yeah, because they don't actually flap their wings to fly. No, no. They just have their wings to propel themselves. But yeah. the actual uh, flying comes from uh, yeah being able to, to hum the exact frequency that it must. It's uh, crazy, man. And yeah. I, on the uh, on the way home, I went a different way to uh, just because, and I saw a place that's got honey for sale. Mm, mm. The best, and it's super close to here. Uh, honey's great. It's my weakness. <laughs> honey is good, man. I put that shit on everything, man. I put it in my coffee. I put it on my my meats. Oh, honey and coffee. Interesting. Oh. I've, I've done a. So good. Butter and maple syrup. That is a critical combo. Mmm. It's like a pancake coffee. Dude, this is your taste buds in the morning. Can't knock it. Delicious. Fucking coins falling out from your ears and shit. (laughs) Wow. Oh my goodness. That's a cup of coffee. That's a cup of coffee that'll knock your dick into the dirt. <laughs> dirt dicked again. <laughs> Dirty. Uh, let's see what this next Dirty. caller's got. Caller. What? What? Uh, can we uh, can we hear that one one more time, please? Uh, can we hear that one more one more time again, please? B something, it drops out. Maher. B T I one in her. Oh wow. Maybe if we play it backwards. <laughs> well, maybe with this new setup, I could get... Oh, dude, if I could have one primary recorder and then another and then, yeah, another audio editor to run in tandem, holy shit. Yep, that's, uh, that should be on the list. We should, we should make that happen. That's going to be some fire. Fire. Wicked. Wicked. <laughs> Who's a good boy? <laughs> Are you a good boy? <laughs> yeah. It's a good boy. Um, well. Or we could press it onto wax. We could do it the real way. I mean, that's the real Satan-y way of doing it. Oh, yeah. And then uh, we just play it backwards. Jimmy would be proud of us. Yeah, he would be. Mm. Well, let's, um, I'm going to take it back. I'm going to take it back for tonight. Not too terribly far back. How far back? To 1997. Uh, 97? No- Twasn't that long ago? November 23rd, to be specific. Uh, and this was a time... Two days before Thanksgiving. When you can make a joke uh, written on a whiteboard in the cold open of a popular animated cartoon that says, I will not tease fatty. One, two, three, 
four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven times written over and over again. I will not tease Fatty. I will not tease wow. Fatty. It was a to different have Fatty uh, written in a cartoon. Jeez. It's uh yeah. I mean it's um a lot has changed since then. And this is a this is an episode of The Simpsons that uh, I've got a couple of clips prepared from. Uh, are you a fan of The Simpsons? Sure. Yeah, it's a great show. Uh, you know, it's been on forever, and there's a lot of classic great episodes of The Simpsons. Do you remember the one where they find the angel skeleton? Uh, no, I do not recall this one. This is episode eight of season nine, and it's titled, uh, Lisa the Skeptic. And I found another piece of information that we're going to be getting into here in a little bit, uh, but it made me think of this particular episode of The Simpsons. And, um, I mean, right out the gate, they do not write it like this anymore. I mean, the beginning of the episode starts off with the police station setting up a quote-unquote free motorboat raffle where they would send people that they were um that they had warrants out for they'd tell them that they got a free motorboat come down to the police station free motorboats <laughs> where's my motorboat pig oh i called brutality on you <laughs> it's good stuff and uh you know homer's got zingers like this you're the most paranoid family i've ever been affiliated with of course, that's when Marge is like, I don't know if I trust this, Homer. Um, it's good stuff. So on the way back from the police station, they pass by the mall uh, that's being built. It's, it's under construction, and it's on top of some uh, preservation. Uh, there had been human remains found there uh, over time. And of course, Lisa being the sort of... Um, I mean, she's kind of, she's like proto sort of uh, social justice type of individual. Oh, yeah. She's, she's the original social justice warrior. Yeah, she's, uh, you know, she rolls up onto the dicks or the construction site, tells them that they can't keep building this. Um, at first, the they're like, you know, scram kid. But then the mall executives are like, well, you know, maybe we could. Uh, turn this into this archaeological dig to see if there's any bodies remaining. Maybe we could turn this into like promotion or something, publicity. And uh, they end up, you know, getting it worked out. She she's got some uh, favors that she pulls on Skinner so she can get the class to go to the dig site uh, for a field trip. And this is when they find the angel in the dirt. Well, this was a big bust. Come on, kids. Let's go home to our mothers. Don't give up. I'm sure we'll find something. Ugh. Come on. Come on. A bottle cap, a shoe, a bar of gold, anything. <gasps> Everybody, come quick. Let me through. I got here late. <laughs> hmm. From the looks of it, I'd say this fellow died from causes unknown. <laughs> Look, there's more. What the heck is this thing? Speaking from a strictly medical point of view, 
That ain't right. Oh my goodness. And this is where they find a giant skeleton buried in the dirt with a huge uh, wingspan. Uh, We'll uh, continue on. What is it, Lisa? It looks like a human skeleton, but these other bones look almost like wings. You mean like an angel? Well, obviously that's impossible. Lisa's right, it's an angel! (gasps) Now that's interesting. But it can't be an angel! Oh no? Well, if you're so sure what it ain't, how about telling us what it am? Well, maybe it's, uh, uh, a Neanderthal who got bitten by some angry fish. Oh, I gotta say, Lisa, it sounds like you're straining to do some explaining. Yeah, everyone's heard of angels, but who's ever heard of a Neanderthal? (laughs) It could be anything. It could be a mutant from the nuclear plant. Oh, fiddle-faddle. Everyone knows our mutants have flippers. Oops, I've said too much. Smithers used the amnesia ray. You mean the revolver, sir? Precisely. (laughs) Be sure to wipe your when you're finished. Now, regardless of what this thing is, it's a priceless scientific find. So our most pressing concern now is determining who owns such a valuable skeleton, and I'd like to suggest that I do. Hey, wait, 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 wait. I'd like to hear from Lionel Hutz. It's a thorny legal issue, all right. I'll need to refer to the case of finders versus keepers. Oh, we can work this out, friends. In the spirit of sharing, what say we simply place the sacred bones and... So long, suckers! <laughs> I thought it was cool that they uh, they brought up that finders keepers law case, which is what we were discussing with those, uh, those gold fed boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Homer dr- drives off with the with the angel's uh, bones and sets it up in his house. And people start coming to call to uh, pray at the altar. There, uh, Agnes is trying to get um, uh, karma for her foot surgery. Uh, it's, it's pretty good stuff. And um, when they when uh, at some point Homer realizes he can start charging people for it. I want to see the angels. Come on, Homer. I just want a quick look. See, pay a buck. A buck, eh? That gives me an idea. Fifty cents, please. Here's the angel. See the angel. It's my angel. No one else is next to the rakes. Dad, it's not fair to claim this thing is an angel. There's no proof of that. No one's calling it an angel, Lisa. If you look carefully, you'll notice I never once used the word angel. What about that sign right there? That's a typo. Just let me take you to the museum for one day. They can do scientific tests and prove it's not an angel. Oh, no, oh, no. We could lose out on bags and bags of money. It's sacrilegious, I tell you. Astonishing. Simply astonishing. One of the most singular specimens I've encountered in all my distinguished career. But enough about my work. What did you want to show me, Lisa? It's a bone scraping from that skeleton I found. Oh, yeah, the so-called angel. The whole thing's preposterous, of course. 
quite preposterous, but no one will believe me until I can prove what it really is. Can't you do a DNA test or something? Certainly. I'll have the results by tomorrow. Oh, thank you so much. Um, but you know, I can't afford to pay you. I didn't become a scientist for financial gain. Whatever little money you have will be just fine. <laughs> I say it's the angel of peace, you idiot. I say it's the angel of mercy, you jerk. Excuse me. I took a piece of the skeleton for scientific analysis. Soon we'll have all the facts. You did what? what? I, you know what? I, I don't like that. Facts are meaningless. You can use facts to prove anything that's even remotely true. Facts, Max. Ah, here's Dr. Gould now. What were the results, Professor? Inconclusive. Inconclusive? Then why'd you come running up like that? Can I use your bathroom? Well, it appears science has faltered once again in the face of overwhelming religious evidence. What? Go home, science girl. <laughs> I am home. Good, stay there. Okay, folks, get your angel glow sticks. No one gets into heaven without a glow stick. I'll take... Sound familiar? I, they're, they're always ahead of the times. Oh, yeah. They invented everything. Uh, they take it so far as to uh, stage a mostly peaceful protest in the episode. Next on Smartline, the Springfield Angel Controversy. Our guest tonight making her 13th appearance on Smartline, Miss Lisa Simpson. Kent. Miss Simpson, how can you maintain your skepticism in spite of the fact that this thing really, really looks like an angel? I just think it's a fantasy. If you believe in angels, then why not unicorns or sea monsters or leprechauns? Oh, that's a bunch of baloney, Lisa. Everyone knows leprechauns are extinct. Look, you can either accept <laughs> science and face reality, or you can believe in angels and live in a childish dream world. Science? What's science ever done for us? TV off. Science is like a blabbermouth who ruins a movie by telling you how it ends. Well, I say there are some things we don't want to know. Important things. Yes. Enough talk. It's smashing time. I'm paralyzed. I just hope medical science can cure me. Why was I programmed to feel pain? Technocrats are learning a lesson in humility tonight as angel supporters lay waste to Springfield's scientific institutions. Ugh! I wish I'd never found those stupid bones! It's time to put an end to this. Yep. I'd say, uh, <laughs> I'd say you could just throw in the, uh, the Capitol building there in the background and be good to go. I hate it when science, you know, science always gets in the way of a good story. <laughs> always ruining the end. <laughs> you know, science always gets in the way of a good story. Oh, I, I, that's a bad Fauci. I can't do the Fauci. I don't have the, uh, I don't know. You don't have the wheeze, man. I don't have the wheeze. Not yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can't do it. Mm, but can you do it a good Elton? And all the science. I don't, I don't understand. understand. <laughs> just my job. So, you know, I just, all of that, I, I thought it was interesting. I mean, it's, I, we don't have to go ham on what the parallels are. 
Um, it's just a couple of decades early. What's, uh, what is interesting is the statue ends up disappearing from the Simpsons residence. Lisa gets taken into custody. Uh, she gets tried, and right before she receives her sentencing, the angel statue appears on the hill. And when they run up to the statue, it's got a message written on the base of it now that says, The world will end at sundown. And this is uh, pretty much wraps up the episode here. Well, shall we sing a hymn? Uh, Dear my God to thee, maybe, or, or, or Amazing Grace? Nah. Oh, Marge, don't let go. No matter what. If they want you in heaven, they gotta take me too. Ten seconds till sundown. We did it. We beat cancer. Uh, what the hell? Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Well, there you go. I hope you all learned a vast... Silence! <gasps> Prepare for the end. The end of high prices. What? Behold! The grand opening of the Heavenly Hills Mall. Please follow the angel for all your shopping needs. Wait a second. You planted a phony skeleton for me to find. This was all a big hoax. (laughs) Not a hoax. A publicity stunt. You exploited people's deepest beliefs just to hawk your cheesy wares? Well, we are outraged. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, we're outraged. Very, uh, very much so. But look at all the stores. A, a pottery barn! And 20% off everything? Hey, does that include rat spray? Oh, yeah. Out of my way, oh, yeah. shorty! <laughs> hey! I don't understand, Professor. Why didn't your test show the skeleton was a fake? I'm gonna be honest with you, Lisa. I never did the tests. <laughs> oh, fixed from the start. Exactly. Uh, you know, the tests don't have 100% efficacy. And I like the subtle voice oh, of God deployment there. That was a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. You're projecting. The Hillside Mall. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole thing turns out to be a hoax Mm, mm. and uh one of the one of the reoccurring means with the simpsons is they constantly find themselves in this position of being uh an agent of predictive programming and um what uh what I have to share with you here, I don't have a clip because it's all in Russian, 
But uh, if you take a look at this video I just dropped in the green room, what you're going to find, uh, this is a recent, uh, like January of 2023 video. It was making the rounds on the TikToks of this uh, of this angel with the shoulders. This thing is kneeling on the ground. It's got a, uh, a a shield that it's carrying. With it kneeling on the ground, its its shoulders are still about the height of a uh, five foot ten, five foot twelve dude, six foot. This thing's tall if it was to be stood up, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there's this giant angel statue in this allegedly in this gravel pit <laughs> that they just stumble across. What I don't necessarily understand is um okay so they in the in the video someone had a translation they spoke about digging it up from the ground using an excavator uh they also claimed that they felt the statue was emitting energy two of the workers further said that they wasted no time informing the authorities who were apparently who apparently sent uh, choppers to come retrieve the statue um but the in the People in the region claim that the video is a fake. Uh, there's a mine nearby, and it just was laying there. There was just this big statue nearby this location where these guys were working. Just hanging out. <laughs> Must be a local artist or something. You know, you never know. Yeah, I'm not it sure. It looks man. very interesting. I mean, uh, it looks like it's made out of like a concrete. Or something. Yeah. With, it's uh, uh, rags and stuff on it. And there's been um a, a handful of uh angel hoax bones found in Russia. Uh back in 2015, someone was uh pimping around a video of some bones, and then another one in 2011. This one seemed to have some sort of ritualistic uh bent to it so the person was um was buried along with other animal bones so someone took that as the excuse to take it and run with it but i'm still i'm still a little weirded out that uh you know there's just this big statue in this quote-unquote um sort of work area just hanging out Uh, i'm not sure i understand it uh these orthodox eastern orthodox uh guys you know they're really into the angels still they're 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 all about it i'm kind of i'm watching this video and i'm noticing they have some things written in english in the back take a look here power screen if you go to 57 seconds in 57 seconds I mean, the thing's got a face, a sword, a power screen. Yep, there it is. Yeah, it's got a sword, a shield, hands on the on the hilt of the sword. And then the, the wings, the big wings. The face looks interesting. It's like, it's it's hooded or it's cloaked, and the cloak looks like it's made of a cloth. As opposed to the wings and the rest of the body, which look like it's made out of concrete. And then the face itself looks so strange. It looks like uh, 
It's like painted on a a brown bag or something. Yeah, it's kind of got like itself isn't stone. It's like a yeah, got like a papery texture to it almost. Yeah, spooky. Uh, the Power Screen Warrior eighteen hundred, designed for medium to large operators, where high capacity and throughput are paramounts. Uh, it's a tough and heavy duty machine. This is from their website brochure. Uh, built for uh, for screening two or three way splitting and stockpiling and quarrying, recycling, construction, and demolition aggregates and topsoil applications. Ah, located in good old Dixon, California. What do you know? Power screens. Okay, cool. Nice. Um. Ooh. So it's uh, power screen turbo faggots. Uh, a A S C I. Oh God. What art? In the chat, tur- turbo is thrown on the. Uh, how do you pronounce it? A S C I. Assy. Assy. Assy art. Yeah, it's not coming coming through uh, on lounge correctly. Ah, okay. Forgive me. Please I, continue. No, I, I see it. I just, I'm not sure what it is. Not lined up. Um, so it's, uh, I, I know it's nothing truly groundbreaking, but, um, it's certainly interesting that, uh, that the Simpsons had something that kind of points back to a similar scenario. Um, what I, what I could do to wrap this up is um, the I do have a passage from Revelations pulled out where they talk about unearthing angels uh, from from the earth, um, mm. or we could get into what historical event was actually the gestation point for that episodes of The Simpsons, which is something very um, I wasn't aware of this trial beforehand. Yeah, it was oh, called. Oh, both those things sound interesting. Both the revelation and the the history. Let's do the um. Let's do these uh the the clips of the uh this lawsuit here. All right. Um. It is the Scopes Monkey trial in Tennessee in the early 1900s, and this first clip is going to uh. This is a, oh, I don't want to get them mixed up. This one's from the Smithsonian. Yep, this is the Smithsonian clip I got uh, prepped on it, which, that's muted. There we go. Deep in the Bible Belt, America puts science itself on trial. In Dayton, Tennessee, it's Darwin's word against God's. It is July 1925. And a young high school science teacher, John Scopes, is accused of contravening Tennessee's Butler Act, which bans the teaching of evolution. The press goes to town with the story, dubbing it the monkey trial. National newsreels feature trained chimps as so-called key evidence for evolution. Stores in Dayton see a run on toy monkeys. For one of the first times ever, motion picture cameras are allowed inside the hot, crowded courtroom. The 
the trial will pit two great legal heavyweights against each other. Defending Scopes, famous liberal Clarence Darrow. For the prosecution, three-time populist presidential candidate and devout Christian, William Jennings Bryan. Very quickly, the judge destroys Darrow's strategy by ruling that scientific evidence for evolution is inadmissible. It is Scopes who is on trial for breaking the law, not the law itself. Changing tactics, Darrow challenges Bryan's literal reading of the Bible. Asked if a whale really swallowed Jonah, Bryan says he believes God could make it happen. Jurors convict Scopes. But the press and public opinion give Darrow the win for ridiculing Bryan. Five days later, exhausted and humiliated, Bryan takes an afternoon nap and never wakes up. So yeah, he did. At one point in Tennessee, it was illegal to teach about evolution. Hmm, I can see that. Which, I mean, Darwin, he's he's a little cringe pilled at times. I don't. Yeah, think, you know, he's he's got those kind of eugenic eugenicist sort of bends. They definitely took it and ran with it. All the eugenicists now will will cite Darwin easily. I mean. Darwin kind of reached that godhead, you know? Yeah. Social Darwinism, all kinds of stuff. Mm. The Darwin Awards. Yep. Everyone's favorite. Yep. Survival of the fittest, baby. Yeah. Which he, I think, in his lifetime disagreed with that phrase. He meant survival of the most adaptive. Oh. Duck, dodge, weave. <laughs> Dive, dip, duck, 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 and dodge. Uh, I got a secondary clip here. This one's got some uh, uh, some thoughts about the trial from the time. This is a, a History Channel piece. Uh, mm. con- continuing on with the Scopes Monkey Trial. John Scopes, a young teacher of Tennessee, had taught, contrary to state law, Darwin's theory of evolution. The Tennessee country people believed this was contrary to biblical doctrine. And Scopes' trial got worldwide publicity, with the Tennessee fundamentalists lined up against the liberals and intellectuals of America. William Jennings Bryan, old and full of oratory, defended the beliefs of the fundamentalists. He was aided by the prosecuting zeal of old judge Ben McKenzie, a local politician influential in the area, who helped to make the trial an inquisition. The courtroom was packed as the case reached a climax. Arthur Garfield Hayes, defending Scopes, explained Darwin's theory of evolution. And Dudley Field Malone, another liberal, added his plea for tolerance to the cause of freedom of thought. Then the defense threw in another artful veteran, Clarence Darrow, for what turned out to be the cross-examination of Bryan. Darrow, in a shirt-sleeves analysis, reduced the elder statesman's antiquated ideas to intellectual rubble. After the closing remarks, Judge Ralston charged the jury and they retired for their deliberations on a verdict. 
On the day of the announced decision, the two opposing sides waited calmly in the courtroom. The jury foreman, Captain Jack Thompson, delivered the verdict of guilty as charged. John Scopes received the decree of his $100 fine without any outward show of bitterness. Two years later, the decision was to be reversed in the Appellate Court of Appeals. William Jennings Bryan died five days after the end of the famous trial. Although victorious in the courtroom, he and the fundamentalist cause had been destroyed. The encounter in Dayton, Tennessee, had solved the basic struggle of thinking and education in the modern-day world. America. Totally no-scoped there at the end. <laughs> Just blasted him. <coughs> he died ashamed. Yep. Took his uh, beliefs and weaponized them against him and his cause. And uh, I would argue that uh, Dar- Darwinism and education absolutely uh, crushed all. It was the death blow to it. It was the quite a blow to fundamentalism, as they say. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, I didn't know that this particular uh, case existed, and it did what it did, and that the Simpsons episode was based off of it. Yeah, I mean, looking back at those Simpson clips, I mean, it makes sense. You got the, uh, of, of course, these Neanderthal <laughs> religious zealots. Uh, well, sh- show show them what fools they are. Buy more stuff. In the name of your Lord, Amen. I like how they make both sides look uh, bad. You've got the dopes that buy into the fake thing, and then you have the scientists that are facilitating the hoax. Oh yeah, yeah. Lisa trusted the the experts, and the expert failed her. That That's dude- right. The experts are dicks. That dude is actually, he was voiced by a famous archaeologist. Yeah, I could tell whoever played that guy wasn't a uh, st- like a voice actor. Dr. Stephen J. Gould. Gould. Paleontologist, evolutionary biologist, and a historian of science. Do you think he, uh, do you think he worked with McGraw-Hill? <laughs> oh, I think he worked for them. Maybe even unwittingly. Oh, f- fuck around in the fuck it pudding. Let's see. McGraw Hill Golding. A little bit of on the fly research. Paleontologist. Well, if he didn't work for them, I mean, what I meant was that he he lived by their books. So wow. whether he wanted to or not, he worked for them. Uh. The Streak of Streaks. McGraw Hill. 1988. The New York Review Magazine. Huh. Well. So McGraw Hill had a magazine and uh, he was published in it. Columbia. Let's see if there's a way to find that. Archive somewhere. It's paywalled at the moment. Um. So yeah. Now we do have. Uh, not a ton of time. Um, do we have any voicemails? We do not have any voicemails. Uh, oh well, if anybody wants to try and sneak a last one in, we we can be reached. 
at 612-263-7999. That's 612-263-SXXY. Sexy. Yeah, you got you got time. We're going to we're going to read a little bit here from an actual. Are you ready for this? You, have you, when was the last time you heard this sound, everybody? Can you hear it? I don't know if that's, I've ever heard that sound before. <laughs> that's the thin, thin pages of a new international version of the Bible. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. It's like paper thin. It's like rice paper almost. Uh, so there is a part of Revelations where they do end up discussing uh, pulling angels up out of the ground. And um, simultaneously of this Russian angel... The Euphrates River is uh, is drying up. I mean, they're they're having issues with droughts there, um, and uh, there was someone that was sharing another video, probably a hoax, could be fake, who knows? Uh, but they claimed that they could hear the sounds of the angels echoing through the halls of a hole that they found uh, to like a sort of um, a cavern nearby the Euphrates that. Uh, once the water dried up, they were able to find it. And this is the sounds they allegedly heard. spooky very spooky uh that vi- uh yeah that video uh, along with the article uh are definitely linked with the show notes check it out i mean uh i i don't think it would be hard to absolutely fake audio like that but you know it's a sus- suspension of belief right <laughs> um now the the parts of revelation actually mention the the Euphrates drying up and these four angels coming out. Um, mm. It's right after, or it's when the seventh seal opens up. Uh, we see the golden censer and the trumpets. Um, I think I'm going to start with uh, chapter eight and roll up through chapter nine. It's be a good little uh, section with the the context leading up to these angels arriving. Uh, Okay. So starting out with Revelations 8. When he opened the seventh seal, there was a silence in heaven for about uh, half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers and the saints went up before God from the angel's hand. Then. The angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. And uh, there, there came pearls of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Uh, verse 6. 
Then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. The first angel sounding his trumpet, and there came uh, sounded his trumpet, and there came hell and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down upon the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and all of the green grass was burned up. The second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a huge mountain, all the blaze, was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Uh, the third angel sounded his trumpet. And 33%. Gr- no doubt. <laughs> 1% left. 144,000 or so. Uh, we are the 1%. <laughs> uh, verse 10. The third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star was Wormwood. A third of the waters turned bitter. Many people uh, died from the waters uh, that had become bitter. Uh, I guess if people wanted to take it super literally, which happens all the time, um, it's easily interpreted as nuclear t- catastrophe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Continuing on, the fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in uh, midair call out in a loud uh, voice, Woe, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth, because of the trumpet blasts about to be sounded by the other three uh, angels. Uh, chapter 9. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. Oh my god. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the, like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss, and it came, uh, and out of the smoke, Locusts came down upon the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or the plants or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not given power to kill them, but only to torture them for five months, and the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of the scorpion uh, when it strikes a man. During those days, men will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but the death will elude them. Uh, verse 7 the locusts looked like horses prepared for battle on their heads they wore something like uh, crowns of gold and their faces resembled human faces their hair was like that of women's hair and their teeth uh, were like lion's teeth they had breastplates like breastplates of iron and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle they had tails and uh, stings like scorpions, and in their tails they had the power to torment people for five months. They had a uh, they had his king over them, the angel of the uh, angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew was Abaddon, and in Greek Apollyon. The first woe is past; the other two woes are yet to come. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the horns of the golden altar that is before God. It is said. To the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who were bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops was 200 million. I heard, the, I heard their number. 
and it continues on. The horses and the riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Her breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, and yellow, uh, like sulfur. A third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails were like snakes having heads in which they inflict injury. Uh, the rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still not uh, repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk, uh, nor did they repent of their, uh, of their murders, their magic arts, and their sexual immorality or their thefts. And that concludes chapter 9. I'm not actually sure what the third woe was. I don't remember that off the top of my head. Let's see if we can find that. And uh, reading along, you've got the apocalypseanimated.com. It's always nice to read along to all this stuff with the images. Oh, uh, yeah, Nina Parley. Uh, Parley. Yeah. Uh, it's, she does some good work. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's very, very cool. Like AI generated. Yeah, you know, I've definitely heard. So there was uh, two different styles of arguments or sermons specifically that I was seeing. You have people that take this incredibly literally. Um, and then you got people that it's like, oh, you know, it's more of a figure of speech. Uh, revelations is they're they're calling back to all of these promises and, and covenants that God had made throughout the day, uh, throughout the years. Um, they actually make reference of. I remember correctly, this one's got some reference notes. Uh, It was back in Genesis chapter 15, verse 8. And make reference to the Euphrates. Um, I forgot how hard... Bibles have gotten significantly harder without glasses. I'll tell you what. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what was it? Fifteen, eighteen? Is that what I said? You try to cram so much on those little wafer pages. Yeah, fifteen, eighteen. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with uh, Abram and said, "To your descendants, uh, descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates, the lands of the Kenites, uh, Kenzanites, Cadmonites." Uh, he. Oh, I'm just going to butcher all those Canaanites. Uh, it was the tribes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. The thirteen tribes. Yeah, fifteen, eighteen. Made a covenant. Uh, here's a note. Lit. Cut a covenant referring to the slaughtering of the animals. Uh, I give this land. The Lord initially fulfilled this covenant through Joshua, river of Egypt, probably the uh, Sinai River. Uh, I'm sorry, probably the modern. Ah, never mind. Uh, the Euphrates, Lonis River in Western Asia. It marked the boundary between Israel and Israel's historic in, uh, enemies, Assyria and Babylonia. So. And that was the, the two chapters. Two chapters of Revelation. Four angels. Good old Revelation. Good old Bible. If you, if you don't have one, pick it up at your local bookstore. <laughs> two or three woes. Yeah. Nice. And I didn't see any other voicemails come through, so I think that uh, concludes this night's production. This concludes this evening's offerings. 
Yeah, if you want to tune back in next week, we'll be back here going live at 7.30 Pacific, 9.30 Central, 10.30 Eastern over at BadRadio.Live. That's right. We're live every single Monday night. Every single Monday night, so don't miss us. Uh, We're coming up on episode 150 before long. (laughs) Yes, we are. That's downright funky. It's, uh, and three years, too. Three years. It's a magic number. That's when you mean it. Three's company. Three woes. English being the third language that Robert Maxwell can speak. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, There being uh, the big three of uh, the educational publishing companies. Did you know Nina sells lenticular prints of these uh, revelation gifts? (laughs) I think I do know that. (laughs) I should get me some of these. I think that would be fun. Postcards. (gasps) Oh, we should do postcards. Christmas cards. Christmas cards. 144, that's a gross. Uh, 144. A gross, yes. A dozen dozen. Dozen dozen. That's good. I like that. Nice, gross. Hmm. Well, this has definitely been a gross episode then. (laughs) Always and forever. Yeah, we're very gross. You know, you gotta you gotta reach out and take that sick shit. Yeah. Yeah, support the sick shit. We're a value for value production. We don't have ads, we don't have corporate sponsorship. We just uh, do our thing and we hope you like it. And if you want to return that value, well by golly Do it! Do it. Do it. Do it. I am the Senate. I love democracy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm Booberry, Black Knight of the Mothman. Hello there. I'm lavish. <laughs> we'll catch you next week. Adios, mofos. Facts are meaningless. You can use facts to prove anything that's even remotely true. It's like this, like blackmail. Where's my motorboat, pig? Now that's interesting. Get your angel glow sticks. No one gets into heaven without a glow stick. Oh, I call brutality. Speaking from a strictly medical point of view, that ain't right. Fire! 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 <laughs> Okay, that was much crueler than planned, but I saved the world. Amazing boobies. Everything involving behind the scenes is just off the rails. What a bunch of freaks. Radio.live and leave a stream mail 612 263 SXXY. And they're running a porn site on our show here. <laughs>